episode 173 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark DeRoe, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Jonathan and Brad today. That's right, Jonathan is back. And wait, 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 wait. Confused at this moment, though, because, John Mark, you just called me a co-host. You see, unlike you fellas, when you're out, and you don't listen to the podcast, I do, because I care about this. Uh-huh. I'm invested, and I found out last week that I was fired, let go, replaced. I was sad about it. I'm still sad about it. I'm feeling salty. So I just want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. Welcome. How are you guys doing? <laughs> How are you guys doing today? I had to finish my intro, Jonathan. I don't, oh, I don't even know where I got fine. where I got interrupted. That's I, fine. Well, I think the question for Jonathan is: Is he anti more women being on the show? Oh my word! Wow! Wow, Brad! No, as a matter of fact, I think that Sarah would be we a have perfect. Totally derailed. I think that Sarah would be a perfect permanent addition. My question is: Why do I have to be replaced? That's my question. Unfortunately, Sarah could only commit to one day. She said it was too much, so it was short-lived, but it was fun while she was co-hosting. Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, I've, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. I feel very welcomed, <laughs> very wanted, very appreciated. Oh. Well, I did, I did. Jonathan, I welcomed you. I n- named you co-host, and you still <laughs> had to stop me in the middle with your grievances. My grievances. What do I have and if share. I don't have my grievances? <laughs> Uh, it's good to be back together. I just together. wanted to mess around. Good to be back together, isn't it? Yeah. Have the crew back together. Yeah. I mean, no, I'd super really, like, like to be serious, um, I enjoyed both of those episodes. If you didn't get to listen to the last two episodes, one was the Poland team being interviewed, which was fantastic. And then y'all interviewed Sarah last week um, about uh, Shade's Youth. And so both of yep. those were just super fun episodes. So definitely go back and check those out if you haven't already. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a few things happening at Shades that I wanted to mention before we get into our segments for today. We've mentioned these before on previous episodes. The Roots Seminar is this Sunday, September 10th, immediately following the service. So if you are interested in church membership, if you just want to know more about Shades and what that looks like here, please come. You can register through Church Center, which is the new app and platform that we've been talking about a lot lately so you can register for the Roots seminar through the church center app and then the women's retreat which is coming up in october registration ends for that this sunday as well so if you're a woman and you're listening to this and you're still on the fence about whether or not you want to go you still have time you can do it all through the church center app it's really going to be an amazing weekend that the women of Shades get to have every year. They've been doing it at Camp McDowell for many years now, and um, it's going to be another great one this fall. And I'm sure the weather's going to be fantastic. Mm, I'm ready for fall. It's here, man. Football's here. It's in the air. Uh, You could smell it Uh, on Saturday morning when you wake up. There's college game day drafts into the room. Oh, man. You know what a what a great time. I really do need the weather to change. You know, (laughs) 
the, we've the college couple, football we've happening a, we've and it being 90 degrees is miserable. Well, yeah. you, we lucked out because we went – I took the boys, Ashley and I did, to the Auburn game this past Saturday. Oh, that's right. The weather was perfect. It was like a high of 80. It was cloudy. We were really, really concerned about the humidity. Uh, but it felt great. So we had a good time. But we need more of that. We need we more. Need, we need some 70-degree w- weather. We need some 60-degree weather. That's right. Some bonfires. Get the fire pits out. Get some meats cooked. Get some chilies going. Get some some chilies. Yes. Hmm. <sighs> Nothing like a good sports break, right? How about, are, De- how about Dion? I was going to say, how what are we Dion? talking about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I, ha- I haven't seen any college games yet this year. Jonathan. He's waiting. He's but did I mention you, that the Braves are the best team in baseball? Jonathan, Dude, you're that's in, awesome. You're in Alabama, and it's the fall. If you're going to be relevant as a pastor, you have to watch hours and hours of football every Saturday. Well, listen, maybe if one of you guys would invite me to come watch a game with you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still feeling salty over here. Uh, yeah, I'm getting you, those vibes. You're invited this Saturday that's for right. the game, Jonathan. Where? Uh I don't know yet, but a few of us Auburn fans have been talking about getting together. The one caveat is that um, it's an away game in California, so the game starts at 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. On Saturday? On Saturday night. Uh, you are welcome to join us. You're not doing anything on Sunday, So right? now you can't love, say that you love, haven't been see, invited. this feels like a setup. <laughs> it feels like uh, we're going to invite Jonathan exactly when we know he cannot come because, this, man, yeah, 9.30, yeah. he's been asleep for an hour and a half when this game starts. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to say by the time it it, is abnormal. By the time it ends, I think Jonathan's going to be pulling up to the church. (laughs) Yeah, so you could just skip that early. You could just skip the sleep and pull on in. Oh my word! All right. Well, for the sake of Tanisha Garnier, let's let's finish this up. Yeah, we're so sorry, Tanisha. Because I did. I I heard her email. (laughs) <laughs> Loud and clear. Hey, I it will. Br- it was brief but clear. I will say, <laughs> and since we since we gave our predictions last week, Brad and I were oh, wrong we did, on a number did, of games. We did terrible. <laughs> it's that SEC the arrogance. Florida lost. <laughs> LSU lost. Yeah, and really those were kind of the big. Those games. are kind. Of, those are the big ones. I, I, and they both lost. Did we? Did Clemson we predict lost, Duke Clemson? They? No, we did. We didn't talk we didn't, about no, other no. games. Yeah, it's that SEC arrogance, man. The only reason I know that I'll, I'll own it. Bias. I'll own it. The only reason I know that is because I have a really good friend who's a huge Clemson <laughs> fan, and he was in mourning. <laughs> I mean, crazy. They rushed the field. Amazing. Yeah, I really should play. Y'all both know Brian. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian. I, I really should play uh, the polo for you because it's hilarious because he's, he's in the midst of a really stressful uh, kind of season in work, and he's like, oh, good. And man, I was looking forward to the one <laughs> – piece of joy this fall where I, I have a good team I can count on and stinking Duke. Oh, it's Duke. horrible. It was hilarious. It's, it's really horrible, funny. but I do kind of love it. Clemson, Clemson gets on my nerves sometimes. Yeah, football season really makes me question my heart because I the thing I enjoy the most is basking in y'all's pain when your team's <laughs> loose. <laughs> and I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, this is kind of a cultural observation, but when Colin Hansen said, you know, one of the biggest things that affects people's involvement in the church and coming on Sunday in the fall is football and lake houses, I was like, oh my gosh, he's right. Yeah. I mean, that's just such a cultural force, both of those things for Birmingham. 
Yeah, so, you, you remember when Alabama I mean, lost last thing. year to Tennessee and oh all the my. Alabama fans showed up on Sunday just looking like they had gotten ran. It looked like somebody died in their family. <laughs> I have, I had a fam- Like they literally experienced a death of a loved one. I had a family member, family member that said that they cried. They cried at the end of the game. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, yeah, let's. All right, well, other after this football, brief this, intro, this, other this, than football, this wh- episode has been totally derailed. Just derailed. What What's going on in the world of music? Ah, uh, yes. New album from Zach Bryan, self-titled, came out August 25th. He's an American singer-songwriter from Oklahoma, born in Japan, served several years in the Navy. He's been making music now. He's a young one. He's 27. Rock girl whiskey's gonna ease my mind. Beach town dress on the drying line. Do I remind you of your daddy in his 88 Ford? Labrador hanging out the passenger door. He's massive right now, so let me let me tell you a little bit about this guy. This, this, this is his third record. He combines Americana, country, and folk together. The album is incredibly raw. It's self-produced. It sounds like they recorded everything live together in a single room. Uh, some of the other songs just like the drums just sound so raw like they were single takes it's just incredible this single in fact is pretty popular right now it's number one on the hot 100 uh, charts and it features Casey Musgraves this track is called I Remember Everything he currently so check this out a little some fun historical stuff happening here he currently holds the number one spot on the Billboard Top 200 and the number one single on the Hot 100. This has only been accomplished by four other artists. Drake, Future, BTS, and Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has done that multiple times. So he's kind of in a rare air when it comes to his popularity and uh, how many people are listening to his music right now. So yeah, that's kind of that's surprising. As I'm listening, I mean, it's, I enjoy it, but like, what? Yeah. Concrete feet in the summer heat. He's an incredible songwriter. I have really been enjoying this record because because of the raw nature, because it's not polished. I, I definitely think that's what attracted it it to me when I was listening to it for the first time. So I would highly recommend this record. It's a self-titled album um, for his tour. That he did last year, he actually boycotted Ticketmaster, which is something that we've had a lot of conversations about, and Taylor Swift has kind of brought to the forefront of the mainstream convo. Uh, he's doing it, so he, he used a different ticket service last year for his tour, and he's doing a new one this year, and he just, just because of the way the system's set up, he cannot function without Ticketmaster, so he has to use Ticketmaster and Live Nation for this upcoming tour and they asked him about it and he basically just said you know he's one person and one person cannot you know overthrow this entire system that's been set up and he hates it for his fans because the fees and all that are uh, just astronomical so yeah kind of some interesting conversation going on uh with him and with this record so i would i would highly highly recommend it it's pretty cool wow what's his his name again 
Zach Bryan, not to be confused with Luke Bryan, who is also a country singer. Or Zach and Brown. Is, and is the yep. exact opposite of this. So it's an exciting time in country music. I mean, you have, yep. you have for me, you have Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson, uh, Charlie Crockett, Zach Bryan. You you'd probably loop in Casey Musgraves with that, although maybe some of her stuff's a little more uh, poppy. But there's just a lot of there's a little bit of some outlaw country coming back. Tyler Childers is another one too, and you're just kind of feeling oh, and that song by that guy Oliver Anthony. Oh yeah, you know, and so you just have. I, I was wanting to ask you about your thoughts on that. Well, that's a that's a whole other separate. <laughs> con- we don't have time. We don't no. have time. There's no time. No time. Uh, we should we should do an episode or something on that song. I think that would be really interesting to talk about. But, um, yeah, it's just a real interesting time in country music right now. Mm-hmm. So a lot a lot of young artists, a lot of new people showing up. Old sounds coming back. People are trying to get away from the – I mean, people are still listening to mainstream country music. I mean, that's always going to be a thing. But oh, yeah. this kind of mix of more Americana-infused and folk-infused country, outlaw country – you How know? would you define Americana? Uh, I'm not a musicologist, so I'm going to do a bad job. Are you? Are you asking perplexity right now? You're. You're <laughs> the. <laughs> is Brad asking AI? Um, <laughs> you're the closest thing to a musicologist in my life, John Mark. So. Well, Americana is like not quite country. It's it's, it's a broad it's, it's music. More American. Yeah. It, it has a. It's a derivative of American music, right? Um, and I think you could say that like some of Tom Petty's music is Americana in some way because it's a little bit of rock. You you can hear some of the country elements, but it's not quite country all the mm-hmm. way. Lord Huron would be an example of maybe some Americana music. So it's like singer-songwriter, a little bit of folk. So Americana is a music genre that yes. encompasses traditional music styles, including yes. folk, country, yes. bluegrass, mm-hmm. blues, gospel, singer-songwriter, and roots music. Many of these styles mm. emerged from small towns and rural regions throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. These genres are derived from the early American folk music tradition. Americana music is often acoustic, though it can sometimes use an electric band. Mm. In- so virtually anything that finds anything <laughs> that finds its roots in like American folk. Yes, gotcha. In- indubitably. Uh, I'm just gonna fascinating. Keep saying that. Mm. Simply fascinating. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, do we have a book? I feel yeah. like we don't know how to transition today. We're just we're, we're all a under, mess. We're listen, all the place. Okay, all right. Listen, I will I will take responsibility for this. You really threw me I off. I threw us I'm not, off from I'm not the very gonna beginning. Lie. Maybe we should just start over. But <laughs> is that going to waste too much time? Yeah, I don't I think, know. I think it will. All right. Well, I think we're just it will. Move on. Our longtime listeners, just give us a little bit of grace. We're, we're going to take the L. I promise the <laughs> the. That's right. I promise the main episode will hopefully. I don't promise. Maybe it'll be more worth it. Don't make any promises. All right, Brad, give us a book. I always love the idea of someone visiting Shades and then hearing about this podcast and then (laughs) listening to it with no context (sighs) and just being mortified. What is this place I have stumbled into? Oddly enough, there have been people that have come and become a part of Shades that reference Shades Midweek as a reason for that. I don't understand The Lord works in mysterious ways. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bradford's Book Club. It's good to have you all, fans, followers, and friends. 
although we might be a little goofy, let me tell you, the book recommendation that I'm about to give is serious, serious fun. It's a book written by Andrew Wilson. It's a book written by Andrew Wilson, uh, a huge fan of Shades Midweek. No, not a huge fan. We're a big fan of him. Um, I've actually referenced uh, some of his other works on the podcast before, Spirit and Sacrament and All Good Things, I think is the other book that he's written. Well, this book is a little different. It's just come out. It's titled Remaking the World, How 1776 Created the Post-Christian West. How Seven Transformational Events in 1776 Paved the Way for Today's Post-Christian West. Interesting. Yes, he says this is the funnest book that he has ever written. So that's the serious fun part. With dizzying social transformations in everything from gender to social justice, it may seem like there's never been a more tumultuous period in history, but a single year in the late 18th century saw a number of influential transformations or even revolutions. I ah, see what he did there. Uh. That changed the social trajectory of the Western world. By understanding how those events influence today's cultural landscape, Christians can more effectively bear witness to God's truth in a post-Christian age. So he highlights seven major developments from the year 1776. Globalization, the Enlightenment, the Industrial Revolution, the Great Enrichment, the American Revolution, the rise of post-Christianity, and the dawn of Romanticism. He says that this helps explain, uh, or as you read, you'll see their relevance to social changes happening today. This was fun, too. Here's another fun bit. He goes, uh, let's see. He calls uh, the modern West um, a weirder society. <laughs> the modern West, a weirder society. Western, educated, industrialized, rich, democratic, ex-Christian, and roman- romantic. Now, there, there's a book called Weird that it is that. And I could have sworn I just heard that a sequel came out by the author called Weirder. So oh, he may really? be referencing that. Let me. I, I, he I'll definitely look. he definitely is referencing that book. Weird. I don't. I didn't know about the sequel because he 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 uh, cites that book. I think. I, I think. Let me let me look. Um. So yeah, I mean, here's a book on history. I've been getting into history a little bit recently. John Mark, have I talked to you about this? Yeah, we've talked about Oppenheimer a lot. World War Two. I mean, it's about that time. Because how old are you now? 35 you just had your first child so you've become a dad yeah pretty much dads just at some point they all just start getting into world war ii i don't know (laughs) why uh it's just something that any father you just talk to anyone older than 40 or or the civil war like it's (laughs) i feel like you choose a path and it's like you either go the civil war route or world war ii but a path you must choose you cannot it's required i you can you cannot be removed from the path we don't really talk well, about World War One a lot for some reason, but World War Two definitely. Yes, well, you know, I hate to recommend other podcasts on our podcast because we're in fierce competition with all other podcasts, you know, all this marketing money that we're getting. Um, but I will recommend The Rest is History. It's a fun little podcast. Jo- uh, Jonathan, I think you'd really enjoy it. Two historians from Oxford talk about different historical events. So I first listened to... Uh, an episode on Oppenheimer after I saw the movie. 
and it, it was fun. Some fun tidbits. Uh, you know, I, I'm just listening to a series on Hitler that's really fascinating. All right, See? I cannot what, find what did I tell you? a sequel entitled <laughs> "Weirder." Okay. So, may I? I heard the term recently. Maybe it was from Andrew Wilson. I think I think it probably is because okay. he added those two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. So, anyway, this would be a fun book to do for like a book club. Mm. Uh, get together with some friends, read a chapter, get together, talk about it because there'd be so many different things to talk about. So, yeah. I guess next week I'll be recommending a book on World War II. <laughs> I got one for you. I get, <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like you, and then you pick a biography of like a general, and you get really into that general oh, and, and their leadership. You know, okay, you know, a slightly. And more, then I start reading Tom Clancy novels. I feel like maybe the the younger generations. I don't know. I mean, I'm a millennial. Brad's a millennial. Jonathan, you're you're a millennial, right? Well, this is where I get to see. I'm a. F- you're you're, you're that, like you're I'm, a, I'm an enneagram four, and which means I need to be unique. Which is why I think I really push hard to embrace the label zenial, like an, <laughs> an exennial. Uh, so I fall on the the, the gap between. I'm uh, a micro generation, but I think it's part of my personality is why I like being a micro generation. Well, I, I guess my point being you can that critique both because of you know the Richard Nixon and. Vietnam and kind of the 70s and sort of like more of the hypocrisy that got exposed, I guess, from the government. I wonder if younger generations are more interested in like talking about and learning about Vietnam, you know, because that's a really interesting piece of history that the reason I bring that up is because there was a podcast that I heard about recently about all films that have been made about Vietnam. And so it's like a movie podcast, but specifically about about that war and that era um, and it's just really fascinating, really fascinating time. And there are a lot of great movies that have been made about that time that are a lot different than sort of the with World War Two. It's all about like the victor and like America as this like champion. Right. Like taking down the great evil of Hitler. Right. Yeah. But Vietnam is a far more complex Totally. situation and so when you start getting into the films of that it there's just a lot of layers there mm. i don't know a lot maybe there. a future episode all right well <laughs> this we has do. been so bizarre remaking was, the world I can't, how 1776 I can't. created the post-christian west well guys i can't figure this episode out guys Sorry. we do have uh not quite an email, but the occasional text message that tumbles down into the email corridor. The email corridor. That's right. Let's find that text message. It is from one Mason Phillips. Ah. Uh, which many of you may remember. Uh, Mason went to Beeson Divinity School, and he served uh, here at Shades during his time there. And he then uh, took a job working for... Hope Church in Huntsville, our sister EFCA church, up or right outside of, of Huntsville. And so that is where he still is. Yeah. And if anyone remembers, a couple of weeks ago, we had the honor of doing an interview with one Dale Anton, and Hope Church is his home church. That's so right. You needed all of that context for Mason's text message, which says... Just finished listening to the latest episode of Shades Midweek podcast featuring my beloved congregants, Dale and Kim Anton. But as their other pastor at Hope Church, who just so happens to have also been a member and intern at Shades, I was deeply wounded (laughs) by the lack of a shout out. 
deeply wounded. That's that's the emphasis that he gives it right there at the end. Mason, I don't feel like there is any other appropriate action than to submit to you our humblest of apologies. Yeah. We really we should have given you that shout out. It's not personal, Mason. We forget things all the time. Like this past Tuesday, I forgot about the pastoral discipleship group and didn't show up. <laughs> So that had nothing to do with you, all right? I just want you to know that. We love you deeply. No, man, we do love you deeply. We we got to get we need to get him and Andy both on the podcast. That'd be great. That would be that'd fun. Be a, that'd be a lot of fun. I mean, it would be fun to have Mason on the podcast. Andy, I feel an obligation to have. That's know? right. It's so. that denominational camaraderie. Anyway, but Mason, thank you as always for writing in. We love it when people write in. If you would like to Write us. You can send a text message to any of us whose phone numbers you have. <laughs> and if you don't have our phone number, you can email us midweek at shadesvalley.org. All right, guys. Well, as painful as all of that was for us to get through, maybe, maybe things will shift as we talk about a much more serious and much more important subject. And that is the main thing we wanted to talk about today was uh, something that happened at Shades a couple of weeks ago. We had a guest preacher that we made a big deal out of, which we normally don't do. <laughs> um, but one, Dr. Robert Smith Jr. was at Shades Valley Community Church a few weeks ago to preach. Yes. And uh, we've interviewed Dr. Smith on this podcast before. We hope to interview him again. But it was just such a privilege having him come and preach here at Shades that we wanted to take an episode just to talk about it. If you weren't here and you didn't get here, stop this episode, hop over to the Sermon Podcast yep. and listen to it. It's entitled, uh, Have You Been to Horeb? Uh, which, if you don't know, Horeb is a biblical mountain. It's the same mountain as Mount Sinai, just two names. Uh, but hop over and listen to that, and then come back here, because we just wanted to talk about uh, Dr. Smith, about the Sunday, about our experience, about all that, because we love Dr. Smith, and so you get to suffer through us having a conversation about it that we have not been able to have yet. <laughs> so we're having it now. And I believe the way we did this, uh, or decided to do this, is each of us kind of came with three things from the day, and so how do we want to do this, guys? Do we want to go one at a time, each of us go through our three things, or do we just each want to throw out something and just roll from there? I don't know if I have – so here's the thing. When we plan these things and Brad's like, let's, let's have three things, I kind of take that as think about it, come with a few things, not necessarily three, but that's more of like a guideline. It's like – Let's at least think about three, and then when we talk... So here's our personalities coming out, because I come with three things, and they're alliterated voice, so I didn't do that on purpose. Oh, my goodness. But. Well, here's what I'll have to say, because I... You love to see it. Brad alliterated earlier. I wrote it's not my it. fault. He did. Did I? You said something about friends, family, fans. Oh, yeah, that's right. My experience, I feel like, is a little unique from the both of you, because... Right. You two obviously went to Beeson and had Dr. Robert Smith as a professor and know him very well, spent a lot of time under his tutelage and discipleship and all of that. What a great word. Tutelage. I know. It just came it just came to me. But I had never heard him preach before. So for me, this was like a real special experience. And I had, I mean, yeah. the, the, I had heard the hype. I believed in the hype. I was not let down. I was here. For I was hype. not let down. And 
man, just, and really, I had never really met him before, too. That's the other thing. I mean, he showed up one Sunday. I remember specifically. Yeah. He just walked into the back of the room during your sermon. Mm -hmm. And I see see this gentleman walk in. I'd never seen him before. And he is just like back there, the amen corner back there. Oh, everything dude. that Jonathan was saying is like, Amen. I knew he was Hallelujah. In, I yes. knew he was in the room when I was I don't know how far I was into the message, but I said something and probably I, halfway in. And I was, just hear Yes. <laughs> and I was and, and with every fiber of my being, I was like, Doctor Smith is in the room. Like, just yeah. knew it immediately. It's crazy. But he, man, he has such a presence just mm-hmm. wherever he goes. And my my big takeaway is, and I'm probably going to go through this quickly because I want you guys to share. I really, you, you guys love him dearly and, and know him so well. Um, the man just oozes Jesus. He just oozes the presence of God. I mean, the his love for Jesus is on display, the way that he loves people, the way that he interacts with people, the way that he recalls names from people, (laughs) you know, just, just all those details to make, to make it seem and, and feel genuine and personable. The man loves the Lord. He knows the Bible back and forth. I mean, and you guys can attest to that because you guys have seen that so many times, but I mean, we had, we had lunch with him. Uh, not to jump ahead, but we had lunch with him after the service on that Sunday. We took him over to Red Pearl, and uh, Brad was like, "So, Doctor Smith, like, tell, like, tell me, do you have like the whole Bible memorized? And if so, like, how how do you come about remembering a passage? Are you?" You know, like if if I was to get and didn't you ask him about Matthew six? Was that the? Yeah, I just I don't know why Matthew six. Just yeah, you my just head. you just randomly said Matthew yep. six, and uh, and he's kind of sitting. I kind of wanted to know like what goes on in his brain. Yeah, you're like, like how does it work? How well, does he get to the place where he can just recall something? So so here's what's funny. Here's what's from funny. memory. So my three things that I've written down, I wrote them down from least serious to most serious, <laughs> and my first one is memory. I wanted to talk okay, about well, the, yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, I wanted to well, talk yeah, about the man's. Let's memory. talk about it. And Let's talk about it. Because the funny part of that whole situation was you straight up asked him if he had a photographic memory, to which he responded, <laughs> no. And so then we're like, then we, you got into the, well, tell us, how do you remember he said stuff? He, he said he has how, a workographic how, memory. <laughs> right, right. But you're like, how do you recall stuff? And the man goes on to describe exactly what I would call a photographic memory. <laughs> he really did. Oh, my word. I'm like, I think this is semantics he's like, here. Don't he's so. like, well, I would picture the Bible in front of me. Right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I would turn to it. He's like, and I would probably uh, go in Matthew 5 and kind of find something in Matthew 5, and then I would right. go, and then Matthew 6. And then he just starts well, in the beginning of Matthew well, and 6. What's Unreal. hilarious is, like, so I preached the Sermon on the Mount not too long ago. It's not that far removed from me. So if you said, Jonathan, tell me something in Matthew 6, I can give you something from Matthew 6. Yeah, that's right. Okay? But this man starts walking through Matthew 6, every pericope, just every paragraph, in order what it's about. And I'm like sitting here going, like, this is ridiculous. And he could give verse numbers. And who knows the last time he looked at it? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just ridiculous. So The verse numbers is what's really crazy. Oh, 
Oh, it's what blows my mind. So if you were here on Sunday, I don't know if you noticed this, but he did what he always does. Dr. Smith goes up to preach, and he walks up there carrying his Bible, which he sets down on the pulpit, closed, and then proceeds to stand in front of the pulpit and never go behind it again. For the entirety for of the, the sermon. For the entirety of the sermon. Never looks at his Bible. <laughs> Which is probably, what, a 45 minutes? 40, 45 I mean, minutes. How, how long do you yeah. preach? Yeah. Never looks minutes? at his Bible. Never looks at a note. Never looks at, like, if you're ever expecting to get this from Brad Brown or myself, then I'm sorry. We will be a perpetual disappointment Listen, to you. I get scared when I have to remember lyrics for one song. <laughs> I, I start to get scared. I'm like, right? I'm going to forget this verse. Right. And it's going to throw yeah. everything off. And... So it, so he sets his Bible down, and then so his text for the morning was First uh, Kings uh, nineteen, I think, like verses one to eighteen, something like that. Um, and yeah. what he'll do is he will walk through that passage, and he'll be like, "Now, if you look at verse six, and he'll start talking about verse six, or he'll be like, "Now look down," or you know, this Hebrew term is used in verse three and nine and thirteen, or something like that. And here's the deal: if you told me, Jonathan. You're going to preach 1 Kings 19, verses 1 to 18. I'm giving you, you know, a week, two weeks notice. Memorize the passage. If I worked my tush off, I could do that. I, I could do that. Yeah. But if you want me to quote it to you, I must start in verse 1. Yeah. And I have to work my way through it. Like, there's no, there's no, if you were like, so you memorized it? Yeah. Well, what's verse 9? I'd be like, oh. <laughs> and I would have to start with verse 1 right. and yeah. get to verse 9. Like, it's just ridiculous. I'm it's like, insane. what is happening it's inside a- of your brain? <laughs> um, yeah, his memory. So, so, yeah. so this is a demonstration of his memory, what he does in preaching. But not just that. We, we got to ask him about it at lunch. And, um, and I asked him in the course, I said, do you have the New Testament memorized? And he goes, I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a humble way of saying yes. Oh, my word. Which is insane. What, a, what other, a crazy statement. But, <laughs> but now, so now I will tell you, I will tell you, I do think, so I think what he meant when he said he has a, a, a workographic memory is that he does work at it. It's it's right, not. I think yeah. I think his thought was when we said photographic, like it's, it's like, perfect. Yeah. Do you read Matthew 5 once and have it memorized? And he's right. probably like, no, I don't have that. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. You're on yeah, to something. Yeah, he, yeah. he works yeah. at it. But um, what what I, so I would say that I do think part of this is natural gifting. Oh, part, for sure. part of it's natural gifting, but part of it definitely is work because I basically asked him at one point like how much time he invested in working his memory like this and in focusing on scripture and like I mean, do you have time to do other things like? Do you have TV shows that you watch or do you watch movies? And ladies and gentlemen, what I think I walked away with is that you yep. too can have a memory like Dr. Smith and have as much of the Bible memorized for the low, low, low price of doing nothing with your life but reading scripture and watching ducks. If your only duck form watcher. of entertainment, you can't watch TV, you can't watch movies, if you just read and study the Bible, Teach the Bible, and then on occasion watch ducks. You too can can have this. 
unbelievable. I mean, I it's wonder really how many. Unreal. I wonder how many books didn't we? Did we ask him on the podcast how many books? He's how read? many books he's read, oh, or right. like how many in uh, a year he would? Well, read? that's another place his photographic memory comes into play. Just quoting, he'll quote, quote books and yeah. quote authors and stuff like that. Now there are some things that I mean he preaches. So, so this is one of one of the advantages of not preaching regularly in the same place. Yeah, if you preach and like every time you're preaching, you're in a different place. You can reuse a lot of quotes, a lot of illustrations, those kinds of things. And so even on Sunday, there were quotes that he would bring up that, like, I have heard him use before. And yep. I've heard him use many times. So, like, one of the main ones, uh, if he is preaching from the Old Testament, and I've heard this quote a million times and I still can't tell you who it's by. Um, that's a difference in memory. But I can tell you generally the quote. He's going to bring up the quote that, um, old, that uh, biblical... Uh, figures or characters are not primarily models for morality, mm. but they are mirrors for identity. Mm. Like I heard that quote probably on day one of being in his class. Yeah. Um, and he has particular like illustrations or book references or stuff like that. But still, the catalog of quotes and illustrations that he has memorized is larger than the catalog of quotes and illustrations I've ever used. <laughs> Like, it's it's ridiculous. The thing that's also insane to get outside of the Bible and books is his memory of people's names and the details of their lives. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, how do you remember that? Do you write that down? Like, do you and have a roster? It? But, like, he's able to recall sermons from students from 10, 15 years ago. Unreal. When he would see me, you know, a few years after me graduating, he would ask me about my sister. My sister came and listened to one of my sermons. And he remembered that she was there. He remembered that she was a counselor. Little, like So little things like that. Like, I can meet people at Shades four or five times, and I still don't know their name. Right, right. The, the type of intentionality that takes... I mean, that does take work. Yeah, absolutely. But, it, it, but what's so striking to me is it does just communicate this care and concern um, that he has for people. He, he remembers more about my sermon from Romans 12 in his class than I remember about my sermon. And here's what's nuts. So that's preaching one, like uh, uh, the first preaching class that you take. You he, graduated 20... 2011. 11. I took that class in 2009. You know, 14 years ago. <laughs> he he has been teaching that class for over 20 years. And every time the class preaches through the book of Romans. So he has heard well over 20 years worth of sermons on Romans 12. I preached one. <laughs> and he can recall it better than I can. And he it's, heard me preach it once. Yep. I, like, wrote it, studied it, looked <laughs> over it. Came up with it? I mean, this was, the, this was the point in time where, like, I wasn't preaching anything else except I had, like, two months to write that sermon. I basically had it memorized. The only time in my life where I have, like, virtually had a sermon memorized and could do it without any notes is <laughs> preaching in, in seminary because you, you spend, like, a month or two months on a sermon. Yeah. Oh my word. So Insane. I mean by the time I preached it, I'd like read over it like 30 times or something ridiculous. Yeah. But he does that with all I mean he does that with so many students and that's the thing that I think is so unique with him is the care and concern that he has for each 
individual student. Yeah, and we'll get to that in just a second. Yep. We we can move to the next kind of topic that I had yeah. uh, sketched down because that first one is just us going gaga over his memory <laughs> and just his his skill. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. the The second thing um, was his actual the message that he preached while he was here. So I told uh-huh. you it was alliter- alliterated. So memory message memory message yeah. I'm trying to guess the third one. So the message that ministry. He <laughs> no, but I mean it could be. Okay. But no. Uh, do you want me to give it to you? The man. Yeah, it is the man. Yes, <laughs> the man. <laughs> okay. Very so, good. Uh, which is where we can talk about his interaction with students, among other things. Yeah. But yeah. So, uh, so the message. So he preaches uh, from First Kings 19, and when he first tells me First Kings. Uh, like my brain doesn't go to chapter 19 my brain goes to chapter 17 which i didn't know it was chapter 17 at the time like like he tells me he's preaching from late, like the latter chapters of first king and i'm like oh he's preaching mount carmel and the prophets of baal and all that kind of stuff if i had my bible memorized like he does <laughs> i would have known no he's preaching the events that take place after that so this is after the mountaintop victory if you will mm-hmm. uh, like the high point of elijah's life and career uh, and now he's getting chased out of town by Queen Jezebel under threat of death, and we get like the low point of his career, uh, which leads to God taking care of him and then revealing himself to Elijah at Mount Horeb through uh, a still small voice or a still small wind. And so he kind of was like, he gave me two titles to begin with to kind of get across the concept. And the first title was Living Between Two Mountains. And you can see that theme show up even though he went with the other title, which was Have You Been to Horeb? So the idea being Mount Carmel having like these amazing experiences with God and then Mount Horeb where it's not this crazy, massive uh uh, revelation of God, but he reveals himself to you still in a way that confirms his presence and power in your life, even though you can't see it like you could back on Mount Carmel. And so that title, Living Between Two Mountains, he's talking about being in that that place of tension where you have seen God move and work powerfully, but now that is nowhere to be seen. Everything's falling apart. You're depressed. You would just rather die. And will God show up? And can you have faith that he'll show up? He's talking about living in that kind of space, which actually fit really well with uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the themes that we had talked about in Ruth chapter one. Yeah. You know, kind of living mm-hmm. in that space of famine. And so, yeah, it, I just wanted to throw out, um, I've got just one or two thoughts uh, on his actual message and sermon, but just any thoughts that, that you guys had uh, about his sermon or things that stuck out or were really impactful for you, whether that was uh, uh, a a point that he made, whether it was an illustration that he used, whether it was, um, you know, mm. his, his, uh, canter. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing real quick. When he, uh, referenced great is thy faithfulness, I went ahead and <laughs> check, that. check marked that and said, all right, I'm going to at least do a verse and chorus of this one when I come back up. So there are certain yeah. things that you can count on in a Dr. Smith sermon. And one of the things you can absolutely count on is he is quoting a hymn. Mm-hmm. At some okay. point, okay. he is quoting a hymn. It is going to happen. And he kind of, uh, I, I don't know if you guys, well, you had to notice it because it's so distinct. Like there were at least two places in his sermon 
where it wasn't with a hymn. It was just him preaching, but he kind of like got melodic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. With his sermon, like kind of sung a little bit, like what he oh, was yeah. saying. Yep. yep. And in the African American tradition, this is what's known as hooping. And it's typically, if you watch Dr. Smith's sermon on YouTube or you hear him preach in almost any other context, it is very common for him to conclude his sermon hooping, where he virtually will take the last minute of his sermon and just sing. It's, it, it's kind of like improvisation. If you think of it like jazz or yeah. like a, a guitar solo, it's just improvisational singing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's it's really celebratory. Uh, and he didn't do it at the end of his sermon this time, but he did do it a little bit uh, there uh, at, at various places. Anyway, sorry, I don't know why I was talking about that. I'm trying to say <laughs> no, what, what, what stuck out to you guys in, in the midst of the, the sermon. Yeah, one of the things that Dr. Smith would always say, so when you take his class, you would meet with him to talk about your sermon one-on-one, and then you would actually <laughs> uh, give your sermon the first time you would give your sermon to him. Yeah, John so Hart, it's you and him. You had to preach to him. In the room. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. And not a sample. You would preach the entire thing. The whole thing. And he's just sitting there. Just but what's, and so Yes, but what's hilarious is he's the same as he is if he's listening to you in the congregation. Oh so you're goodness, getting the yeah. same amens, the same yes sirs, the same talk to me preaching, like those it, kinds of things. It's also weird how not weird it is as you get into it, but... Anyway, so, but one of the things he would always tell me, and I can hear his voice to this day as I'm writing a sermon, and even this past Sunday, you know, as I, as I was writing this sermon, this thought came to my mind, and I, I added and changed some things. So I'll always go, he'll always go, where is Brad in this sermon? Mm, I'd like to yeah. see, I'd like to see Brad. I don't see Brad anywhere. Where's Brad in this sermon? <laughs> is it? <laughs> And it's just kind of his subtle way of saying, you know, how has this text shaped you right. and, and um, affected your life and how have you lived this out? And so I, I appreciated hearing him talk about all the ministry achievements because, you know, Jonathan said, it, as I introduce him, I'm not going to go through his accomplishments. Right. If Jonathan did, it would have been a 15-minute introduction. Right. It's ridiculous. You Be- can go read his full bio on Beeson's website. It's, yes. It's crazy. The, the, uh, the awards and the positions and the publications and just the fact that the man is at a different church preaching every Sunday and shows. And often internationally. Internationally. Like, he's, like, you read his bio on Beeson, and there's a list of countries that he has taught in and lectured in, and it's crazy. Yes. So... To hear him talk about having all those achievements and accomplishing all of that and still being spiritually empty at times, dry, in a place of depression. Um, see, I'm not going to be able to... Pocket full of money. Pocket full of money, right? Well, I mean... Uh, no gas. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, speaking about pocket full of money, this is another thing that that just speaks to um, who he is, is, you know, a man in his position could ask whatever he wanted to uh, monetarily for speaking wise. And a lot of times people will They'll have writers. Sure. You have to have these certain things. And for someone in his position, yeah. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. would, you know, sometimes five figures would not be uncommon. You know, his entire ministry, he has always said, whatever you feel like the Lord Whatever for the Lord is leading you to give me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. His entire ministry, absolutely insane. Man drives like an old Camry 
like here in town. Like it is the most beat up car in the parking lot. <laughs> um, yes, I, I like. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, uh, the only thing I have ever seen about Doctor Smith that remotely smacked as luxurious are the man's suits. He wears some some <laughs> awesome suits. He does have some great suits. Uh, I can't imagine him dressed down at all. I mean, have you? He ever, was dressed he was down. Dressed, when that, he was came dressed here. Okay. that was dressed that down. That was dressed down. That was okay. dressed down. Okay. He he normally preaching uh, would have on a suit uh, with like the the multi uh, handkerchief in yep. the pocket, like the three handkerchiefs, and they would match the tie. And he's <laughs> yes. he's he's well dressed. So I, I appreciate seeing Dr. Smith in the sermon. And it was just a reminder to me, and Jonathan, you're going to have to help me with this. On the first day of preaching, he would talk about the preacher, and he would talk about ethos. Was it ethos, pathos, pathos. and was it logos was the third? Mm. And it's it's essentially like talking about the content of your argument, the person. Yeah, the passion. The passion, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And I feel like what makes Dr. Smith's preaching so powerful is, of course, his memory. And this is getting to the man. Sorry, I'm going ahead and jumping. But um, it's his person and the fact that you know that he lives out and embodies everything that he's preaching. Mm-hmm. And so the words um, are words that, yeah, Jonathan's like, I've heard some of these things before, but it always just strikes a new chord in a powerful way. The Spirit uses, uses it because of who he is. So that's yeah. more about him than his preaching, but no, you man, can't we, disconnect it. Yeah, we can go on and go there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, straight to to just talking about him as a person. You absolutely cannot disconnect it. And and I have the distinct privilege of giving you a little bit of a flavor, I think, of what we're talking about. Because So it's one thing. It's one thing to be in front of a congregation, you know, and to be able for a distinct amount of time be perceived like mm-hmm. as a person of humility, a person of all of these things. Like, okay, but what about when yes. nobody's watching, when nobody's going to see, when there are no accolades or whatsoever? So I received an email. He would, he would, he's never going to know I did this because he's never going right. to <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I received an email from him. Mm. Um, before I could send him a thank you email for coming to preach, yep, I received an email from him uh, that's only meant for my eyes. Like he did not do this in order for shades to think well of him or for to prove his humility or any of these kinds of things. And I just want to read you just a few things. There's a lot of it I can't read uh, because it's it's to me. Um, but I I do want to read you just a couple of things. He said, uh, dear Pastor Jonathan Haves, and then he said some other things, um, <laughs> a dream of mine finally became a reality. Like, And he's talking about preaching yeah. shades. You know? um, another thing he says in here is he says, uh, thank you for your generosity of a delicious fellowship luncheon with John Mark and Brother Brad. <laughs> he's thanking me for, for this. Um, and he says, thank you for letting me share life with the members of your congregation. I loved entering into their lives and allowing them to enter mine. I appreciated the opportunity to pray for them and to be prayed for by them. I was received with such warmth and grace. Mm. And I mean, like, Love it. like that's his perspective on his experience here in this place. And if you were here, like Dr. Smith 
was virtually the last person to leave. Yeah, I was he gonna waited. say there was like a line of people. He waited. He mm-hmm. talked with every person. Yeah. He prayed with every person oh that wanted goodness. to be prayed for. Mm. He he uh, he was prayed for by many people. Asked for prayer himself. Like the other thing is, he does this. You know, like forty five weeks out of the year. Yeah. Oh, oh, you we did I mean? ask like, him. We asked him how many times he preaches a year. Forty five Sundays out of the yeah. year. That is more than I preach. It's crazy. I don't preach 45 Sundays Insane. a year. I, Traveling the, around the I world, I think the yeah. most I have ever preached in my time at Shades is 40. Mm. I think most of the time it's closer to 38. So so, so this is not nuts. like a one-off for him. No. You know, for him to have the kind of intentionality that he does yeah, with as much as he does this, mm. I think speaks to who he is. And here's what's insane. If we brought him back or if we could get him back next week, and you were one of those people who came up to him and asked for prayer. I would bet, I would bet he would remember what you asked prayer for. He might not in every instance. Yeah, but I bet it'd be a really high percentage. Yeah, I mean, Unre- and I think that's not just his memory. I think that's genuine care. Yes, one hundred percent. And I'll I'll say this. I mentioned it last week on the podcast. I had several members come up to me who were older. And essentially say that they were encouraged by his ministry. Mm. They, I think, mm-hmm. seeing the impact that he had on the congregation, seeing the impact that he had on people in their 20s and people in their 30s, I think stirred something up in some of our older members mm. that was like, okay, I have a ministry. Um, and so seeing Dr. Smith's passion and seeing, I asked him, I was like, Doc, you know, basically asking Dr. Smith, when are you going to retire? You know? And he answered, and he goes, Brad, where else shall I go? The Beeson Divinity <laughs> School is where the Lord has called me. I mean, the man's going to go until, you know, his ministry is no more. I mean, he's not going to stop. So I think it, I think it's just so encouraging to see, wow, look at this man, even at his age, still going. Look at the impact he's having. Look at, like, how his love for Scripture is stirring up a love for Scripture in me. Yeah. Look at how his love for preaching is stirring up a love and preaching in me. Look at the the things we're talking about, his care and concern. That's that's wanting me, uh, or that's leading me to want to show that kind of care and concern. I mean, I'm wanting to embody that. So, I mean, look at the impact that this man is having in his life. And so, I think as I was just reflecting on it, it just made me think, you know, what, what are the passions, what are the interests that the Lord has given you? Yeah. Um, pursue those things. And you never know the impact that simply living out the love that you have for the Lord and the love that you have for the, you know, the interest and the things that he's given you can, the fruit that can come from that. So, yeah. Well, and I think that sums up really my final thought um, as well. Just that there was, there was this moment in the message where he talked about um, our, the way our culture and even our, the way our church culture values and places an emphasis on the big, the flashy, the sensational, the Mount Carmel moments, if you will, Mm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And to tie that into what you're talking about, specifically with like the preacher or the person, the minister, like we have a culture that values youth, attractiveness, Mm -hmm. um, being really charismatic, all of these kinds of different things. And like, you see that even in like pastoral trends, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, the, the, 
the eight the average ages of senior pastors, the average ages of worship pastors, the average, yeah. you know, all of these kinds of things. Like like we trend in the same direction as our culture towards valuing youth, you know, a younger pastor, that's going to attract people, an attractive worship leader, which we clearly don't embrace here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm just kidding. John Mark. um, That's why we put the cross in front of John Mark. That's right, exactly. Otherwise he would be visually distracted. Keep keep him humble, Lord. Um, (laughs) Hey, listen, we're not embracing the young pastor thing anymore either. Like (laughs) I'm aging by the moment. We're not getting any younger. Nope. It's not happening. But um, but I think that Dr. Smith is such a testimony that it's not any of those things that have the actual impact or the lasting impact. Those things have a surface level impact yep. and may gain you popularity for a moment in time, but it's only going to last as long as those things last, which scripture itself tells us that beauty doesn't last. Youth doesn't last. None of those things do. But what does last is the genuine, authentic nature of somebody's relationship with Christ. And that is what is powerful mm. about Dr. Smith. Yeah. You know, it's not Dr. Smith at the end right. of the day. You know, it's it's Jesus. It's yep. it's that Jesus is attractive. Yep. It's that Jesus is amazing, and Jesus has gotten a hold of that man. And that's why I think when all of us look at him, like we, this can sound like an episode where we all just drooled over Doctor right. Smith for a while. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think there's got to be a recognition, and Doctor Smith would 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 discipline us if we didn't say yep. for sure that at the end of the day, it's Jesus that's attractive and that we are seeing and that we are being drawn towards. And so like, I would want to combine that just with Brad, with what you were saying, like for anybody, anybody in our congregation, like whether you feel like, you know, well, I'm I'm too old and too late in life to be having an impact, whether you feel like I'm not skilled enough, I don't have the gift set. uh, I'm not, I don't have a charismatic personality. uh, I'm not attractive enough. I'm not what, what, whatever you would, label in there it like none of those things are actually ultimate factors like love jesus be saturated with jesus and like that kind of impact like it it can't help but happen mm-hmm. you know that's it so that's, that's it. my that's, that's my closing thought on on the good doctor any any last things you guys wanted to say or wrap up hmm I think that says it all, Brad. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Let's have There's him so back. Many, so many different things. Let's yeah. have him oh, back. 20, so 2027. He, he has said that yeah. he... <laughs> how, how booked up is he? Oh 2030. He, he has said Absolutely that insane. he wants to um, just come like he did before, just slip in the back. Right. So hopefully we'll get to experience that at some point. Uh, I am going to try to get him on the calendar again. Who knows when that will be? Maybe we could do another podcast but with him too. We, and and we are fun. gonna we are gonna do that. And if we do it in semester, we can have him actually come in to yeah. uh, the podcast. I, I told him because he's obviously he he is a preacher. He thinks about preaching. He teaches preaching. I would really love um, to interview him uh, just about preaching in general. And why do we still do it? What's the value of it? Like, is there a right and a wrong way to approach? Like, let people hear the things that we have heard. Mm-hmm. You know, as he has uh, had such a shaping effect on our lives. So, yeah. Well, gentlemen, I could sit here 
and talk about Jesus and the good Dr. Smith all day long. But I know that uh, there's more to be done, and we all have some Bible to read and ducks to watch. Well, and speaking of the Bible, they we made a, an announcement about Dr. Smith reading an audiobook version of the ESV. That's coming out later this year, correct? He he said December. So is it's, that through Crossway? It is through Crossway. Okay. Now, I will tell everybody my minimal experience with publishers, which isn't direct, it's always through friends of mine who have done publishing, is it's not uncommon for projects announcement dates to get pushed back. Sure. So no mm. promises, but as of now, Crossway sometime in December, uh, yes, there should be an audiobook version of Dr. Smith reading the ESV, which... Is he reading yep. or reciting? <laughs> Let's that's, be real for a second. That's the question. <laughs> oh, my word. We will never know. Well, another way, too, that you can interact with Dr. Smith's ministry is to go to YouTube and just yeah. type in Dr. Robert Smith Jr., and tons of sermons will come up. Right. Yeah. It's honestly, it's best... When he's at a black church, and it, well, and here's because what, there is so much talk back going on oh between yeah. him and the congregation, and he feeds off of it, oh and goodness. there's such an energy and a movement there. So he, <laughs> he, um, this is just another testimony to the man. Um, so most people that do what he does, travels around and preaches and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're going to have a website. They're going to have their own YouTube channel. They're going to have all of these things to, to promote their ministry and all that kind of stuff. When we say go to YouTube, it's not to find the Dr. Robert Smith YouTube channel. It's just all of these places that he has preached at, they post it. Like the man doesn't have a website. He doesn't have a, no. he doesn't post videos of his preaching. He doesn't, he doesn't tweet. He doesn't nothing. And Nothing. my, it, and it's just another testimony to just this is it's the impact of Jesus. He not social media or any of this thing, stuff. You know. Anyway, that's it. Yeah. Well, once again, to reiterate, if you'd like to hear Doctor Smith's sermon, you can go over to our sermon podcast. Just put in Shades Valley Community Church wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find that he was actually. Also on a early episode of Shades Midweek, this was during COVID back in 2020, we did a phone interview with him. So if you've never listened to that, go check that out. It's incredible. And as always, you can email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. Check out our website, shadesvalley.org. Well, guys, I must say that my not promise promise has been fulfilled despite my utter butchering and making our intro today all sorts of awkward. The episode has been totally worth it. You know, we really brought You're, it together. That's right. Can really had a turn. The Lord really did, yeah. Sometimes exactly. that happens, you know. Right? It's like when you watch a college football game. Oh not, to, here, not to bring it back go. to that, but oh boy. maybe the first quarter you it's come going back out. Downhill. It's a little shaky. It's a little shaky. Maybe the defense bigs up, uh, gives up a big play. Oh, we that's were right. End so and all well. of a sudden you're down 14-3. Going into halftime, and you're like, what What has happened? And then, you know what? You come out of the locker room in the second half. You've had your motivational speech. Maybe you've made some changes. you got some Gatorade. You come out, and you win. You know, it reminds me of the 2010 Iron Bowl. That I'll oh, never man. forget Auburn down 24-3 to at halftime, only to come storming back. <laughs> And there it is. 
and win the game 28 to 27. So I'll edit all that out. So virtually anytime we have a podcast episode that's going down the tubes, all we need to do is talk about Dr. Robert Smith Jr. And it will basically become a pick six situation. Yeah, that's it. All right. Kick six. Kick six. Whatever. I don't even know. I don't know about the sports ball. That wasn't even the game I was referencing. That's okay. It's all right. (laughs) Email us midweek at shadesvalley.org because here at Shades Midweek. Oh, sorry. not Yeah, Shades Midweek. 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 Email us midweek at shadesvalley.org because why, Brad? Because here you're part of the conversation. All right. Let's get out of here before this gets worse.